Hello, and welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. This is a place of vulnerability and acceptance where we discuss ways that you can learn to be empowered and to know that your worth is something that is always with you and not something that you have to earn. I'm your host, Kara Murray. Let's get started. Do you wish you could know that you are enough? Really feel it deep down? Do you wish you had more self-love? Real, genuine self-love? Do you wish you knew how to take care of yourself and improve yourself in addition to taking care of everyone else? My friend Ember and I have created a free 10-day I Am Enough course just for you. Learn that you are enough. Learn how to speak kindly to yourself. Learn how to take care of yourself. When you can learn these things, you will love, care, and help those around you and yourself in a way that you can't even imagine. Head to todayiamenough.com slash workbook to sign up for this free 10-day I Am Enough course. Hello and welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. I'm so thrilled to have one of my friends, Amy Rasmussen, joining us today. And we have known each other for several years and she does so many things. Amy is one of those people that is so talented and just beautiful inside and out. And I'm so thrilled to have her here. She her and I are going to be talking about motherhood today, and she, I'm going to let Amy introduce herself. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it since you extended the invitation, so I'm, I'm really <laughs> happy to be here. Uh, so I'm Amy. As Kara said, I'm a mother of four. I have three biological boys and then one adopted little princess. She's definitely the highlight of our world. <laughs> I have been a director for a nonprofit organization for teen girls for the past 12 years. Um, we help provide scholarship assistance and opportunities through pageantry, and it's a total like lifeline to all things good. I love pageants, big advocate for them when they're done the right way. Also a member of the High Five Live uh, community, which is an online Facebook group where we connect um, all walks of life to stories of the Savior and spiritual connection, and I've been doing that for uh, the last three years, and we'll actually be taking over the Woman of Worth um, series in May. So we've got some fun things on the docket and continuing to move onward and upward. That's awesome. I'm excited for you to do that. Yeah. I'll make sure to link down to high five live in the show notes. So you guys can go check it out. It's awesome. And I've had the opportunity to be on it a couple of times and I love it. It's a great community over there. So many great people. So I am going to let Amy share some of her story on motherhood and how we can just feel like we're a good enough mother. I think that's a really huge problem among women is we feel like we have to be this perfect mother and that we should never have our kids be sad or frustrated with us or have consequences. Um, But we can find joy in motherhood and joy in our kids, even when we need to be a parent, (laughs) but in just And just knowing that we're enough and what we're doing is enough can be really hard. So I'm going to let Amy talk about that and share some of her story. Thank you. Uh, So I actually had the opportunity and the blessing of attending um, a fireside for our church on Sunday. And Cape Smith was the speaker. He's amazing. He's a published author. He speaks all around the world. Super funny guy. Um, But he shared this quote by Julie B. Beck, and it has stuck with me and resonated with me um, since he shared it. And I just think it's so applicable. It's so good. 
Um, but it says if it is anti-family, it is anti-Christ. And I think that's just a beautiful, no matter what religion, no matter what walk of life you come from, um, if it is dividing you from your divine opportunity to be a mother, um, whether it's to your own biological children or children in your community, teens that need you, young people that need you, motherhood extends beyond just the biological boundaries, I believe. So if it's something that divides you from building family relationship, it is actually furthering you from the savior and furthering you from things that really anchor you and things that matter. And I have just, like I said, it's been spiraling in my thoughts ever since Sunday. I just love that so much. So if it's our own thoughts, if it's our own creation, we're using our imaginations to tell ourselves we're not enough, we need to like nip those socks in the bud. I don't know. I just think that's so beautiful and so powerful. Um, so going along with your, your questions, kind of, you know, what does motherhood mean to me? What does, I don't know if you have anything to add to that quote, Kara, I would love to hear your thoughts on that too. I, well, I love what you said that our thoughts telling us that we are not enough is part of that. That's, that's disconnecting us from our family, from our children, from our spouse, even, and it's going to further us from, allowing the light of Christ to reside in our homes, to have that peace reside in our homes, because we're so focused on like, oh, me, me, I'm not enough. And I think we just really don't give ourselves credit often enough for how enough we actually are, just because we're not exactly how we want to be or hope to be, or we don't reach that potential we want to be at. Mm -hmm. We just are like, oh, I'm not there but we miss all the things we are doing really well and the things that we are blessing our children with and our families with. So good. So I had a personal experience, personal struggle back in, gosh, it's been 2018 now. And it was November of 2018. And I just was not feeling myself. And I, as you mentioned before, I'm busy. I function on a very high level of build schedules. Like that's what fulfills me. Actually, if I'm not busy, that's when I get, I go inward and I get depressed and I get sad. Um, but I found myself in this overstimulated, over busy, overwhelming part of my life, which was so ironic because I was speaking to women. I was speaking at UVU actually um, for their mastermind series on like making time for yourself amazing. Right. And here I am feeling like such a hypocrite because I was spiraling and I was feeling terrible inside. And I had to go talk to this group of students about prioritizing themselves. So I found myself in this really strange predicament and I was researching and finding and digging. And it was not long after that, that I probably hit my like lowest mental capacity where, which is uncommon for myself, but I knew if I was there, it was not in a good place. And I like could not stop crying. I couldn't think about scheduling myself a week from the present, like so strange for me. And um, I started talking to my mom, started talking to my husband, Jason, and was like, you guys, I'm not okay. Like I'm not enough. I'm not good. Right. Like my mother has always been such a divine guiding light in my life. And of course she hops right on Google and she finds me this amazing therapist um, that I started working with. Well, come to find out. I am what have been diagnosed as a highly sensitive person, which doesn't sound like a very significant diagnosis, but the more I met with my therapist and the more I dug into 
who Amy was and why things were triggering and why things were getting really hard and almost insurmountable, Carolyn actually helped me find out like highly sensitive people. Um, it affects about 20% of the population. And I had known this my whole life. I had known that I wasn't quote normal. I know things overstimulated me. I knew certain things were triggering for me when they didn't bother other people. And I'm talking like smells, light, um, certain personalities. So I started to really dig and understand um, what it means to be an empath, what it means to be someone that is easily stimulated by her outside environment. Yes, I am a highly sensitive person. I was in this point in my own um, kind of mental state where I couldn't, I couldn't get away from the things that were stimulating me. And it is schedule and it's people and it's um, even walking into a room that doesn't have like good juju, right? Like the environment is just not good or it sounds silly, but a building, like a certain building, I couldn't be in a certain atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just becoming like, how, how come I can't break this mindset? Um, so Carolyn taught me a couple of things and I really want to talk about them today with you because I think as mothers, we can all identify with what that therapy taught me and what um, things I took away from that. So Carolyn taught me that we function in three types of mind. And where we start to get into trouble is functioning in two of them too often. So we have our logical mind and we have our emotional mind. And then we have our middle mind and we need to function more in the middle mind. So when we're overstimulated, maybe we're really tired. Maybe our children are being too much. Um, you know, we sometimes function in our emotional mind as mothers. I feel like that's kind of the beauty of being a mother is having mm -hmm. all of those emotions give us information. But when we function too much in emotion, you can imagine the problems that we can have, right? We start feeling like I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not this, this, and this, and this, because our emotions are taking off like a rocket ship. And then if we function too much in our logical mind, where we start to look at facts, that can also be a deterrent from what our destiny really is as mothers. Well, I, my husband doesn't make this much money. I just don't have this much time in a day. My kids are failing their classes. Um, you know, I have a child addicted to this, that, and the other thing. So we can start looking facts and that can be such a deterrent as well. So where we have the power as mothers is to function in the middle mind, where we're taking the emotion that our bodies are giving us and we're taking the facts that the world is giving us. And then we can base going forward from that. Oh and God. I kid you not, it was like my mind literally blew apart. <laughs> you were like the actual emoji. I was, I was that emoji in that, that moment. And I'm like, oh my goodness, absolutely. That is my problem right now. I was functioning so much in my emotional or so much in my logical mind that I was losing my mind, mm -hmm. that center core of how I know to be my best, how I know to be my best self as a mother, but I, I was losing it because I wasn't thinking of this very basic thing. That's so fascinating though. Like, isn't it just to think of that and you know where we are and I, it changes obviously, right? Like there's that ebb and flow of being in all three, but 
knowing it, I think gives us power to work on staying closer to that middle mind than going off. But even if we're off in emotional or logical, recognizing that, right? Exactly. And using them when they offer us the most strength. So of course, if we have a child coming to us that is struggling with a relationship or struggling with their own personal perils, as mothers, we, we value emotion. We can love them. We can, you know, hug them. We can do all those things that emotions are so brilliant at doing. We can bring up the logical part of it, like the movie Inside Out. You watch that character, Riley. That is exactly what she's struggling with. Her emotional mind, her logical mind. She knows she shouldn't run away from home, but she's sad. She can't figure it out. Comes back to her middle mind is when it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's I awesome. Really, I really do think of that motherboard in our mind and all those little characters like pushing buttons and pulling levers. I'm like, yeah, that's what my brain feels like. on <laughs> Trying to figure it all out. Right. And oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. That's so beautiful. So what are some ways that you have found to stay in that middle mind? Uh, I really look at motivation. So for example, um, my oldest son, he's 15. And at the beginning of the year, he was just, I think, overstimulated, much like me. Um, He was during football. He was doing um, early morning seminary. He was in show choir. First year in high school, like he was overwhelmed. And it was hard because I wanted so much to pull on, you know what? Like, we just need to pull back. We need to take a break. We need to do all these things. But in that same token, I knew that he had to push through and he had to keep going because great things were coming. So I was able to offer some strength functioning in my middle mind because I'm like, Dawson, look at the facts. Look at the, you know, I know you're tired. I know you're overwhelmed, but like, let's look at what we can do in our best way. So my motivation behind teaching Dawson was to equip him with the very tools that I need to function. So I was able to pull all of that together to teach him something. So um, I guess motivation is such a key role in our, in our mothering. And are we operating out of fear or are we operating out of love? At the moment, I was, I was operating out of love for my son. I want you to keep going. I want you to see what's down the road. Sometimes we operate out of fear, right? Like, oh, I'm afraid for you. You're right. Let's, let's shut this down. Let's, you know, close some things up where maybe that's not the best motivation for that specific situation. I like to keep myself in check. Like, what is my motivation behind doing this or that? A friend of mine who, who had a son that was struggling severely with um, online bullying and um, some pornography issues with face our kids on the daily. Like there's just no way to get around it. Right. Um, she's like, well, I'm going to take away his phone. I'm going to take away his phone and just like shut him down. And I said, okay, but think of what that's the motivation. What is that born out of? It's born out of fear, essentially. So afraid of what's going to happen to him, he his phone away. When look at that situation, if it's motivated out of love, it changes the context of the conversation. It changes the context of what he's going to get from that experience where it might look something like, Hey, I know you're trying, you're doing your best, but we need to set some boundaries versus I'm taking your phone away. Yeah. That reminds me, I just read, um, well, reread a talk from president Nelson. It was October, 2018. Um, when he was speaking to the women of the church and one of the challenges, challenges he gave us 
I don't remember which part it was. There was one where you take a social media break for 10 days. And the other one was to attend the temple and on a regular basis. And he did talk about a mom that took her son's, her son's smartphone away and give him a flip phone. So he still had that ability to communicate and how he was really angry. But after like a week, he thanked his mom because that's what he needed. So I, but like you said, setting boundaries around the phone or, you know, whatever it is, I think as long as we're that motivation, that correct motivation is there and not letting the emotional mind take over, but where this mom had done research and, you know, like she, he talked about how she had been led to find things and do things that she didn't even know how to use because she didn't have a phone like that and didn't have those apps and different things. And, you know, and I think if we're, if we're using our logical and emotional mind and, um, you know, if we are in that middle place and seeking the help, divine help that we may think that we need, that we can make those right choices, whether whatever boundaries we need to set, or I love that you, you said you gave Dawson the tools that he needed. Mm -hmm. So giving them the tools that they need in order to combat those struggles, because they do have to go through them just like we do. That's how we grow and connect with each other is through the struggle. For sure. And our world (laughs) is a little different than what they're growing up in. Struggles, the underlying baseline is still the same. Figure out who they are. They're still trying to figure out who friends, you know, what real friends look like, what what track they want to be on for the rest of their lives. We all went through those, but their details are a little bit different. And the details are big, the tools. And I think that's a perfect segue into kind of what I wanted to talk about next is when we give ourselves those moments of pats on the back, like when that son comes to mom and was like, thank you so much for taking away my smartphone. It only builds confidence in us as mothers and as parents. And I think we need to look at parenting motherhood as a two-way street. Like they are going to build our confidence just as we're going to build theirs. If we're, if we're doing things like you know, in that middle mind, we're trying our best. We're seeing little wins and little successes that Mm -hmm. builds our confidence, which helps keep us going. Now rewind, you know, however many years it's been for me, it's been about 20 years when I was back in college, I was doing things with a measuring stick. I was turning in assignments. I was writing papers. I was working. I had someone in an upper level of management in school telling me, good job, grading me, right? Then we get married, then we have babies and that kind of goes away. Kind of sometimes all we get is the junk, like the crying child, the tantrums, the rejection from a play date, like whatever you want to call it. We start looking at all of these things as negative reinforcement. So accustomed to our whole life, teachers, parents telling you, good job, you did it. Getting a pay raise, getting an advancement at work. And so you kind of look at that paradigm shift, just that life itself gives you kind of like, wait a second. It's rough. It's a rough transition. Yeah, totally. So where's that teacher? Where's that cheerleader telling me like, you're doing so awesome. And our spouses, most of them, yes, they do an incredible job, right. Of building us and telling us like, babe, you did awesome today. But we also sometimes need to look at them as an individual who's going through the same shift in their life. They've got bosses breathing down their necks. They're (laughs) They've lost that coach in basketball telling them like, good job, way to work hard or whatever. It's important to, to scale back and realize you need to be the person you need. And in turn, it comes back to you. Decide what that looks like. 
but surrounding ourselves with positive opportunities that we either create for ourselves or that we invite into our lives with good friends, um, good people in your community and church, whatever it looks like. That's also a missing piece of it sometimes. So used to people telling us like, good job. And then it's like, oh, wait. I had Ember Pilati on the podcast uh, a little while ago, back in February. And uh, Amy knows Ember as well. We all lived by each other for a little while. But Ember talks about this exact thing. She does uh, life coaching, but she talks about how we have to love ourselves. It's no one else's job to love us. It's our job to love ourselves. And when we can love ourselves, we're going to operate a lot better out of this middle mind more often when we can, because then we're evaluating like, oh, why am I feeling this way? Or why am I angry? Or what's, you know, what's my real emotion? Or why am I frustrated with my kids? Or, you know, we're going to be able to give them that middle mind advice more often when we can feel that love for ourselves. It just changes everything. It does. It is an absolute game changer. And I can't even count the number of conversations and opportunities to talk about this because it's so affecting. It's so affecting. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new mom or you've been at this game for 30, 40 years, we all need to be reminded. And when we feel like we're not enough, like I have felt, like probably you have felt, we need to find resources and look for the tools, look for the people that can ground us and bring us back to center. And, and just remind us like, it's okay. It's okay to spiral sometimes. It's okay to feel because in those moments, that's when we're humble. That's when we're teachable and we're willing to look for resources and people that can reintroduce topic or, yeah. you know, evaluate our situation more closely than maybe we can. And mm-hmm. no better example that can do that is the savior. I, I really did when I went through that time in, in 2018, like I thought I had it all figured out, right? Like I was talking to women, I was talking to you. Like I was on this kind of like, I got this. Getting is while I'm trying to teach and I'm trying to advocate for certain things. Is the Lord's also teaching me those principles. Perfect being the last time I checked. <laughs> <laughs> not. Uh, so it was a great opportunity for me to learn and to be humbled and to reconnect with some of the very core things that I was teaching other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're given that opportunity. When I started the Today I'm Enough podcast, like back in 2017, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, we all need this. Lala. And I realized though, how I, how much I didn't feel it within myself. And in 2018 is when I started having health problems and figuring that out and figuring out my health problems has really helped me to figure out how to appreciate myself because my body stopped functioning the way that it needed to. And I was mad. I was mad at my body because it wasn't working the way that it was supposed to. Learning to love myself and love my body, even though it struggles, helps me to appreciate myself, even though I struggle, right? Like as a mom, as a friend, as a person, we all have that struggle. But I think you hit the nail on the head when we have those moments of not feeling like we're enough or that we're inadequate or just frustrated in the depths of our um, struggle, we are teachable and we get to become humble. And because of those things, we have sympathy and empathy when other people struggle. And when we can connect our stories, it, it allows 
love to happen between other people. That connection is vital in our lives. And I kind of look at it like, um, you know, there's, there's lots of options, right? When we're in our struggles, there's lots of options when we're floundering and not feeling like enough. But when you really dice it down, it's kind of black and white. Like you're either going to choose to thrive or you're going to choose to give up because we're all here. We're all still existing and listening to this podcast. We've chosen to keep going. It might be feeble. It might feel small. It might feel like even that step forward is not going to do anything, but it does because we're still here. And I was just talking to my oldest about this the other day, that that's where the light comes in. You know, like if, if you use that example of like a pitch dark black cellar room and you light one single match, you're still emulating light in that space. You're still giving something there that wasn't before. And so it's kind of like lighting that match. Sometimes when we just feel like it is dark and it is hopeless and there is nothing good that's going to happen to that match, just striking, there is something you just have to go toward it. Whether that's a, a close friend, whether that's a, a conference talk, whether that's, you know, just the smallest, simple things, take yourself for a drive, go get a diet Coke and just be in your car. Like that is a match moment. It's just a little flicker of light that keeps you going to the next right moment. Yeah, absolutely. When I had little, little kids, I would just like lock my bedroom door and go into my closet. Like I wouldn't even stay in the main room and, you know, like little toddlers banging on your door and I just sit and cry some days. I was just like, I just need a minute without people bothering me. Finding those moments. I feel like that's finding yourself. Um, I had this, this little quote prepared, hoping that I would find an opportunity to share it with you, but it's by Emily McDowell. It says, finding yourself is not really how it works. You aren't a $10 bill in last winter's coat pocket. You are also not lost. Your true self is right there. Buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions, and inaccurate conclusions you drew as a kid that you became your, that became your beliefs about who you are. Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself. An unlearning, an excavation, a remembering who you are before the world got its hands on you. And I keep that like in a place that I can reference all the time, because like we were just talking, you know, when we were growing up and figuring out who we were, we had a cheerleader, we had someone, you know, telling us great job, or we had someone telling us you're a loser, (laughs) you can't sit with us. So it's about constantly finding yourself and returning to who you are. I know just as clear and easy as, as I can say it, like, we are such beautiful creatures. We are such powerful creatures. Um, we were not sent here to, to fail. If we can yeah. quote our, our Gordon B. Hinckley, like we're sent here to succeed gloriously. And that comes, comes sometimes by unlearning and unconditioning the toxic things that we've filled our own minds with. And also that people around us or toxic influences have tried to shape us to be. Yeah. Right. So it's, remembering who you are before the world got its hands on you. Think about who we were, our spirit. Like that is where our middle mind really is born from. It's all the good of all the pieces. And when we can do our best or maybe even do our mediocre, <laughs> that person, that's again, where the light comes in. Could be such an inviting and hopeful thing to think about. If you don't like yourself, if you're just like, there is nothing good about me, Cause I honestly, I've been there. I think that's human nature to feel those things, 
but to look at the duration of those thoughts, like how long do those thoughts stay and how intense are those thoughts? I think that's where we need to self-check, regulate. And if we do get in a space where we just can't stop those thoughts and we can't stop those feelings, that's when we need to really reach out. Yeah. And I think when we're evaluating, notice the words that we're using to talk to ourselves, whether they're you statements or I statements and how much we've internalized them. Because I think initially they are you statements and then they change to I statements when we become, when we decide they're true, right? And changing those, changing them, notice them and then change them. Yep. Yep. And write them down. Like it's so easy to talk about these things when it comes right down to that moment, when it comes right down to those moments, I should say where does the application happen? And I really do believe Kara that like, it's in those moments that when you're living your life in a way that is full of the spirit, it's full of good people, it's full of good opportunities. Like they come easier than we think. I think we give the spirit enough credit to really shape our lives and to really hold of those dire circumstances. Because again, we're all here. We're all still surviving. We're also figuring it out. We're doing better than we think we are. And it's very simple. You know, sometimes like, how do we get out of those moments of crying in the closet? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? Those little hands are banging on the door and there's little voices saying, mommy, mommy. How we get out of those moments is we turn to someone else who needs us. We serve others. We figure it out. (laughs) If we hadn't figured it out over and over and over, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Pray for strength and then move yeah. forward. Act. Exactly. It's easier <laughs> sometimes than we think. It might not be the rosiest path. It might not be exactly what we need. We think we need in that moment, but life has such a beautiful way of mapping itself and taking us on a course that we don't get to always know what it looks like. <laughs> Seeing that things are going to be all right and that the light's going to turn on. That's literally, if that's what it takes in that moment, just trust that. Sometimes that's exactly all it is. It's just having faith and trust that we're doing what's right and that we're going to end up somewhere better than we, than we are right now. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Finding yourself is a lifelong process. If we were meant to come here with it all figured out and everything, you know, type A personality to the T that really (laughs) does rob us of so much joy. It robs us of so many opportunities and moments to fail, moments to stink at things. Um, But it also stops the invitation. And as I've been trying to teach my kids, we've tried to adopt this as a family. um, Life is all about the invitation. And you can use that as broadly or as specifically as you need. But life is all about the invitation. So even if we're inviting hard moments into our lives, even if we're inviting hard people into our lives, like when we reshape that, like life really is about the invitation because everything we're exposed to is, is beneficial. And my second child, he's 13. He has also kind of been diagnosed with a highly sensitive personality. My other three don't have it. My husband certainly does not have it. My second son, he is highly sensitive. So I'm so grateful that I invited those problems. I know that sounds crazy, but I invited that high level of 
crazy for a little while. I was brought to my knees. I was humbled. Then it was my opportunity to learn going through that probably seven months of, you know, seeing a therapist and digging and reading and just, oh my goodness, having this whole new expansion of, of information taught me about my high, highly sensitive personality, which then invited me to learn more about my son. Er is amazing. He's incredibly smart. He's gifted, but he is highly sensitive. So looking back to my 13 year old self and seeing the same things he's struggling with, the same environmental factors that are stressful, like legitimately stressful for him, mm-hmm. I'm now able to teach him. So we have to look at our problems and our stress as invitations to maybe this is going to be something we need to teach someone in five years or 10 years. Life is about the invitation. And that that's really been my theme moving forward in 2021, where, you know, we know 2020 was a hot dumpster fire. <laughs> uh, a lot of those problems were not invitations from ourselves. Nope. But invite the change, invite these opportunities to grow. Invite, mm-hmm. um, all of it, invite it all into our lives so that we can then meet it with a challenge and a, a positive outlook because we're yeah. only going to be better. That's that breaking down an excavation of our souls and uh, remembering who we were before 2020, yeah. <laughs> before, you know, we really thought we had it all figured out. I love that. Well, and I think, again, it goes back even with you and Carter, right? Mm-hmm. Your experience you share that you can be vulnerable with him about what it is and that you understand and that you went through that, even that you, you just didn't know what it was, but your ability to make that connection and that empathy and sympathy because of what you've been through. And I think that's, you know, it's that invitation to struggle Mm -hmm. so that we can help someone else on their journey of struggle. Absolutely. Think of all of the things that women, mothers struggle with, right? Infertility, anxiety, depression, um, self-doubt, like all of these things, invite them. I know it sounds a little like, (laughs) you know, but invite them into your life because I would put money on the fact that you will need it. And a friend, you will find someone that needs your experience. If you haven't walked in those shoes, I mean, you can definitely be a support. You can definitely be one of love and encouragement. But if you have, if you've had the opportunity to walk in those shoes, how much more powerful are you struggling with my own anxiety because of my high sensitivity? And I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. I didn't know why it was affecting me so deeply. Um, went through some real serious moments of anxiety. Fast forward to having Dawson, who's now 15 at 12, 13 years old, really face some anxiety. And Jason, my husband loves our children. Absolutely. But he did not understand what that anxiety looked like. He didn't understand Mm -hmm. the debilitation that was being put on Dawson, not wanting to go to school withdrawal. He didn't understand it where I had a different set of eyes to look at that and say, no, I know exactly how that feels because I've been in those shoes. We're able to work through that and send him on his way. And then we meet the next challenge that he faces that maybe Jason's a little more equipped to have the same shoes, right? As a teenage boy. And with Carter, it's just so fascinating to think about all of those moments in my life where my high sensitivity affected me. And I had no idea if he wakes up even a minute past his alarm, 
it is like the whole world is coming down. That is because his highly sensitive mode has conditioned him to function at this time. He knows what's going to happen at this moment. Like, and it's no yeah. fault of his. It's not. It's just the way his brain responds to the world and it's okay. So yeah, <laughs> we've invited those opportunities to teach and learn and we're figuring it out every single day. And something we think might be triggering or affecting him or myself has no play. So it's just like, all right, Heavenly Father, why do you got to teach me today? Being open to being taught, right? Like open to the struggle and open to the good things too. And we can learn things from, from the good, but we definitely, because of that humility level that has to come in and um, other things, we definitely learn from the struggle. And it's remembering that in finding joy in the midst of the struggle and the good in the midst of it definitely helps get us through. Yep. And we can play into the logical mind when we, when we give into the joy, we think it's actually an emotional part of it, but leaning into joy is actually a very logical approach. Interesting. When you cut it down to like the, the bare bones of the situation, right? Because like that, that match we're choosing we're choosing to find the light is a very logical thing to do. It is not, in my opinion, in the struggles I've faced, it is not a logical way to look at things to give up without a fight. Like until you've exhausted your options, until you've pushed, until you've tried, like that's, look at a baby learning to walk. It is a logical thing for them to do to stand up and try again. It's a logical thing to keep trying. And when we invite the joy, as you're saying, and we invite those happy moments, that's logical, which then pushes us right into our emotional, which brings us to center. Amy, what are your three, three takeaways on motherhood and embracing motherhood and feeling like you're enough in motherhood? How can we do that more often in our lives? I think we look for the matchstick moments. I think that's important. Um, it is not cliche to say that motherhood is a gift. It is absolutely a gift. And sometimes the gift might be, you know, wrapped in Sunday's newspaper with duct tape. <laughs> Looks so great. But what's inside of the gift of being a mother is, is something you can't put in forward. Not comparing what our gift looks like to anyone else's. I think that's a big part of being a powerful, influential mother. Um, finding those matchstick moments, really treating it as a gift, and then not allowing ourselves to regularly compare. You know, we've heard that quote, the comparison is a thief of joy. Comparison can also be a springboard for growth. So I kind of couple those two things. And again, jumping into our middle mind, using everything that we know and the tools that we have in our, in our tool belt, um, Comparison can also propel you to, to shoot for great things. So not looking at a mother and comparing negatively, but maybe looking and, and wondering and figuring out how she does things, good or bad, can help us to grow and to learn. So I, I think that's where I've come to as 37-year-old with four kids, ages 15 to 5, is that I'm looking for the matchstick moment. I'm, I'm treating each day as a gift, really, truly. And then I'm trying my best to compare and judge appropriately um, so that I can make good decisions for my children and I can evaluate and, and do things in a way that is beneficial to them and it's beneficial to me. 
and for our families and, and figuring out how that looks and how that feels um, daily. And it'll start to become second nature, right? It'll be a conditioning opportunity. We, we often give judgment a bad connotation. So, okay, let's, let's call it observation then. So let's observe, maybe not compare, but let's observe how people do things and then let it funnel through mm-hmm. and leave the good parts for us. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a, I think that's a great piece of um, advice to learn, to learn, to do that instead of mm-hmm. just seeing them and seeing all the things we're doing bad. Like, let's just see what they're like. Let's just observe and let's just intake the things that we think would benefit ourselves and our families. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your thoughts and your stories. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Today I Am Enough podcast. If you want to hang out with me off the podcast, head over to Instagram and follow me at Today I Am Enough. Also, please make sure you leave a review. Reviews help the podcast reach other people that may not have heard about it before. It's also a huge help if you are willing to share this podcast with someone you think could benefit from it. Thanks again for joining me, friends, and I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, today you are enough.